beautiful ladies and gentlemen welcome to the battle hymnal a video stream associated with chapel bell curve everyone's favorite stats focused podcast about uga football but here on the battle hymnal we do a little bit more than stats we're here to break down film and talk about the latest uga game between the hedges and today's uh game that we're going to be focused on is yesterday's absolute scattering and smothering of the auburn tigers by your beloved georgia bulldogs i am Joined as always by Josh Hancher of Dog Stats on Twitter. Say hello, Josh. What's up? Go dog. Our, our intrepid producer and the writer extraordinaire and my co-analyst on this show, Graham Coffee uh, of Dog Sports and Dog Out West on Twitter. Say hello, Graham. Hello, everybody. So obviously, lots of energy in the room. Feeling pretty good about how things went yesterday for the most part. I think I'm thinking I I am at least. Um, so we are going to just cut up some film. We have a lot of, I think, really interesting films. I think that um, we have uh, a lot of a lot to say about this game. I, I can speak for myself, and I think Graham also. So, uh, Graham, you want to hit us with a play? Let's just take it right out of the gate. Yes. Uh, let's look at play number eight, which was early in the game, second drive of the game. We've got a third and long here, and Georgia is on the Auburn 30. And we're going to see a blitz come off the right side of the line. Bennett recognizes it immediately, spins out, and he hits a wide open Karis Jackson, who in his media availability yesterday after the game basically said he just kind of freelanced that route, which is exciting that he he recognized. But, you know, it's, it basically is just a, a long out route to the sideline. But, the you know, that was a big moment in the game because kept that drive going. We went up 7 nothing a few plays later, but – I think the most exciting part of that is just having a quarterback with uh, a little bit more of a mobile dynamic that let's be honest, like the last three years in the Georgia offense or even going back to, to Eason and Mason and maybe everyone since uh, Aaron Murray, that's a, that's a full on sack. Like no question about it. That's a squat cover the ball with two hands and wait to go down. So, you know, I think there was a few times last night where, Bennett's mobility came up big. That was probably the biggest one of them because, you know, we got rolling downhill, got up 7 nothing, and the momentum of the game really kind of tilted in Georgia's favor after that. Um, speaking of Karis Jackson, let's take a look at play number 20 real quick. Somebody vamp for me. There's like 77 plays, which is also a good thing. Yeah. Lot. There we so, go. We got a third and short here. Um, Georgia's up seven nothing. Third drive of the game, and it's just a quick little mesh route. Well, it, it's kind of a deep crossing, but if you watch from this angle right here, you see it looks like Karras is going maybe on a, like a skinny post, and he just turns that thing to the outside. And I don't know this for sure, but from a lot of the the interviews with wide receivers and from what we know about Monk and my guess is that that was just kind of an option route where he saw, you know, that there was uh, some open space to the left side of the field and he found it. But if you run that play one more time, uh, we get some good action kind of coming, coming underneath here with Burton and Pickens. And that really pulled up the Auburn inside linebackers. And we're going to talk about that a lot tonight. And Nathan's going to cover it heavily in the run game, but Georgia played a lot of games with the inside linebackers of Auburn, and those were the strength of Auburn's defense. And kind of drawing those guys in with those shallow crossing routes left Karras in a one-on-one -on -one spot to 
to do some damage. Um, and you have, I think the other thing to note that, and you sort of mentioned this is that uh, the safety, I think uh, 14 is a safety, I think. And he's up on the line because he's sort of like rotated down into uh, uh, nickel coverage on um, Burton. And when Burton goes into that jet motion, he just never recovers. He's just on the wrong side of the field from for the rest of the play. And even when Burton stops being an option, you can see he just settles back into his hips. And then at that point, if Kyrus runs the right route, it's that's it's just gone. Right, 100%. And it's, I think that was a, a big thing that we saw last night where our receivers that are a little more seasoned, I know Jackson is a redshirt freshman and, and only got a little bit of action last year because he was hurt and the Vanderbilt came to open the season. But like – there was the fade route to Burton down on the goal line where, you know, basically Daniels just, or I'm sorry, not Daniels, Stetson Bennett just read, you know, where the, the coverage was and, and kind of threw it to the inside shoulder and, and Burton turned back to the outside. And like the, the more experienced receivers seemed like they were reading coverage a lot better and, and Bennett was totally on the same page with them, which was really exciting. And I think, over the next three, four, or five weeks, I think Herb Street even said this on the broadcast last night. As those young guys like Burton and Burton and Rosemi and and even Arian Smith, if he can get healthy, like if those guys can start reading coverage and making the right moves on those option routes, we're just going to get really, really dangerous. Yeah, absolutely agree. Um, you got you anything wanna, else? Or do you want me to do one? Yeah, go ahead. Let's let's get into the run game, and then we can we can okay. pass later. So. Run game. So there's three concepts you got to know about the run game that are really important in this game. And I think a big part of the reason that we won this game, we were talking in our pre-production meeting about how if you can't stop the run against Georgia, Georgia's probably going to beat you because despite all of the improvements in offense, Georgia, I think even Alabama wants to do this. If if Georgia or Alabama or one of these really good teams can just lay on you and then just like listen to you breathe your last gasp under a 28 point score or whatever, they will absolutely do that. And I think Georgia is the kind of team that if you can't stop the run, you're just sunk. And I think there were three ways that we did this. And it, and it was with, we basically put every inside linebacker on the field in conflict using three different concepts. So the three I want to talk about are zone, um, split zone, and then counter zone. So before we even put up a tape, I, I want to talk about something that is important to understand. If you're reading zone, and specifically if you're reading inside zone, um, as a running back, your three reads are, uh, basically outside, inside, backside. So you're going to the play side, B or C gap, which is either between the tackle and the guard or the ta- or the tackle and the rest of the field. Yeah. Or you're coming back to the backside, I guess, B gap, okay? If you're a defender, the two things you're looking for for inside zone is that A, generally inside zone runs away from the, uh, the play side of inside zone is almost away, always away from the tight end because the tight end is like the backside blocker. And B you will see the um, the whole line will take a step play side away from the tight end, okay? So if let's pull up 13. So this is the first running um, play, the first running touchdown. So the thing that's really smart about this goal line play, and I know Graham has some stuff he wants to talk about with personnel on this play. The thing that's really smart on this play is that f- before the snap happens, the actual setup of this play puts the defense in conflict with itself. So let's just pause right here. Like, just pause even before the snap. Just run it back for a second for me, Josh. So if you are the inside linebacker here and you're trying to run, you're trying to read, are we running zone, counter, or split zone? This is a seven-man line, right? So you can see we have uh, center tackle or center guard tackle um, and then 
what should we call it on either side, right? And then a tight end on either side. 22, and you per, have, 22 personnel, right? We're in, we're in 22 personnel, but we're in balanced 22 personnel, okay? And you can see we have, uh, as our sort of like extra tackle on the outside here, we have, um, we have uh, what's his face? Um, Davis. Davis, right? And now, since we have the extra tight end on the left side there, the assumption is if we are running, if we are running zone, right, we are running it to the right side and then, uh, what's his face is going to be uh, Fitzpatrick is going to be just the guy who kicks out the outside guy on the line of scrimmage, right? So if we're running zone, that's what we think. Now we don't run zone. We run split zone. And what split zone does is you leave the, you leave what is basically the backside defender unblocked. And you can see that's what Fitzpatrick does. He, he crashes down and takes this, this uh, defensive tackle. And then you have either a sniffer or a fullback come around and pick up the unblocked guy. That's what counter zone does. The genius of this play design is because you're the guy taking the unblocked man on the line of scrimmage is your fullback, which in this part was Jalen Carter. Auburn doesn't know which way to guess. So if you just run the very first snap of the play, if we look, watch the linebackers here at the snap, both the linebackers fit to the left because they think that it's going to be inside zone or fit to their left to the right side, right? They think it's going to be inside zone, right? So they fit to the right and they actually get washed out on each other. Right. And then all Jordan Davis has to do is sort of just like chip one of them and they fall on top of each other. This yeah. is, this would sort of set up, I think, what happened in the rest of the game. And this is the first touchdown um, because Auburn's inside linebackers just had to keep guessing. And since they were trained by play designs like this one, uh, Munkin was smart enough to put them in situations where they always guess wrong because split zone, the read is backside inside outside so you're actually reading like the exact opposite of the way you would on zone and that's all a very technical way of saying that like munkin was pretty much at every point in this game in the running game one step ahead of what of what kevin Steele was doing um did we lose josh's i'm still here just give me a second <laughs> okay so well do you want to talk about i know you have some personnel notes on this one graham yeah, I mean, you mentioned that Jordan Davis and Jalen Carter were in the formation. And I mean, the first the first thing I want to say is that if there's been one area where Georgia's really struggled in the Kirby Smart era, especially in the running game, it's been down on the goal line. I think we all remember seven plays from the one against Florida a few years ago. And it's just always been kind of problematic for Georgia to punch it in down there, um, which, you know, really kind of, it's a deeper conversation about the blocking schemes and concepts that we ran and Coley and Chaney versus what we're running now with Matt Luke and Monken, which you kind of covered with the split zone and zone um, points you made. But what's exciting to me is seeing Georgia bring Jordan Davis and Jalen Carter in on the play. A and B, you know, you've got two incredible athletes, but you also are looking at in my mind, it's kind of a philosophical shift uh, for Georgia to say, you know what, like we've got all of these four and five star blue chip recruits and we're going to find creative ways to use them. And we're going to, you know, put them on the field because like, that's the kind of play, like when you play football and that call comes in the huddle and you see those two big guys like running out, like everyone on the sideline is going to stand up and come and watch and see what's about to happen when, you know, 300 pound Jordan Davis is lined up as a blocker and 280 pound Jalen Carter's lined up as a fullback. And it's just like, it's a, it's fun, honestly. I mean, like that's the simplest way to put it. It's fun and it's different and it's creative. 
And I think so often with Georgia in the past, like we've seen almost like a, an overly regimented view of personnel where, you know, it's, it's always got to be, you know, this guy in this spot and kind of just like this, this man ball, you know, where we're going to go man to man up front on the offensive line. And it's like, you know, Georgia's O-line played great last night, but I don't think anybody would, would pretend that they're nearly as talented as the offensive line we had last year. But Well, and if I, if I can jump in here a second, the, uh, at the, the post-game, you weren't listening to the radio. Zaire was like the very first thing he said was how creative and how exciting and how well the offensive line played. He was talking about pulling and moving, and and he said, you know, in years past, it was just stand up and block a man, and he goes, and we, they were being creative and moving and stuff. He was really excited about the oh, offensive yeah. line, which is exactly what you guys are talking about. And I tweeted that out last night because I was just like, yeah, you guys nailed it. And it was awesome to to see. Well, I, the, the other thing I would say too, uh, to sort of just add on to what Graham said is like in the past, and this was Mark Richt and early Kirby Smart, like if we put to those two big guys in there on the, on the, in the jumbo package, we would run basically in, in this, in this situation, we would run zone away from them. Right. Mm-hmm. And so what struck me was like, not only did we run to the side of the field that they were on, like the reason that touchdown happened is because Jalen Carter had that, that seal block on the, on the uh, unblocked man. And so like, I, I, it's not just that we have the athletes. It's like, if you were going to have those athletes and you run them out there, don't run them out as a decoy, like run them out because you think they're some of the best athletes on your team when it just comes to moving a dude. Right. And so that was what was really made me happy about it is like, that was not a gadget play. Like, Munkin thought he could run that play with those guys as the like hinge of the play, right? If the tight end or the fullback doesn't get that unblocked man, like split zone just doesn't work. Right. And we and did so it that, last night too, you know? Yeah. I mean, and actually I'm really excited that you said that because I think you can kind of view the whole running. You can view the entire running game yesterday through like three or four plays. So if we look um, like actually two offensive plays after this touchdown, if we look at play 15, we run the, sh- we run a straight up zone play. Okay. And formationally we do something really interesting that is, is uh, here. So we run, if we, if we just pause it right here. So we're running away from the tight end to the right hand side. Right. And normally on a split zone play, what you would expect is the tight end would come across the formation and get the unblocked man, right? And so what happens is you can see that, um, I guess, 14 or whoever this like slot corner is here that's on D-Rob, he, does, he thinks it's split zone. So he's waiting for that tight end block. And since it's zone, like, and D-Rob does a really good job of just faking a route there for the first three or four steps, we run to that side and like the, the entire defense is in conflict. And if you just don't watch the blocks at all on this play and just watch what Auburn defenders are doing. They, they absolutely have no idea where to go. Right. Because, and they, and they just get fill blocked out because we just showed them the opposite tendency. And then if we look at play 17, right, we can see this like two, two, two plays later, we see this tendency in, in real time. So we just run zone to the right side. Now we're going to run split zone. Darnell Washington just blows a guy up and that's an easy 17 yards. Right. Yeah. And so, and like if you run that back and just run it a few flames at a time, the thing that I love about this play too, that's really great, is when Darnell Washington catches that block. Okay. So Darnell Washington gets this block. At this point, you have 10 yards, right? Because you already have a guy at the second level blocking that linebacker. 30, 23 got run out of the play by, by Pickens. It's like when you have these plays working and your training tendency, that 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 those were cheap yards. And I'm not, I don't say that to like cheapen what Zamir White did. I'm just saying that like 
that was one of those plays where when Zamir White touched the ball, he had five or eight yards to start, right? Yeah, and then I'm sorry, go ahead. I mean, and it's just like that's the that's why I was yelling about inside zone so much last year. It's not the inside zone is a bad play, right? When you when people can't guess because you're running the counter to it, when you're running split zone, and we'll talk about counter in a second, but when you're running split zone and counter in conjunction with zone, all of a sudden, like it's a great play, right? And I, and that was, I think, and I don't want to toot our own horn here, but like Graham, like I feel like that was the whole point of what we were saying is like if Munkin can just counter punch, everything starts to work better, right? Right. And I think, you know, it's like we we did our film breakdowns on what Munkin did with his O-line at, at Southern Miss and you know other previous stops this summer. And we started getting like really, really excited at that point in time because you the the this creativity and kind of the you know Mockin's playing chess at all times you know and it's like he's he seemed to be a move ahead of um what's the Auburn defensive court uh Kevin, Kevin Steele yeah. yeah and so you know but last week against Arkansas like we did not see those guys getting to the second level you know I mean like on that play Zamir literally was not touched I think until he hit like yard thirteen or fourteen uh which I don't think we saw that maybe ever last year for Swift at any point in time. So seeing this like vast improvement on the offensive line. And also, you know, we talked a lot about Warren Erickson last week and he came in and did a really good job last night. He was kind of the, the starting right tackle from the word go, like seeing that come to fruition is not just big for, you know, the game that happened yesterday between Georgia and Auburn, but that could make Georgia just a really good team going forward for the rest of the year. Yeah. And, and oh no, go ahead, go ahead. No, you're good. That's all I was going to say. The only, the only other point that I didn't get to on those is that, and I, and I think this is something, if you're watching the game, and when we do Chapel Bell Curve, we always talk about, like, stats are just a better way to view the game. So I feel like that's kind of what we're doing here in the Battle Hymnal is, like, just making, hopefully making people who watch it a little bit smarter about when they watch the game. And so the one schematic thing I want to draw your attention to is that last year when Georgia had had a lack of success running inside, that what actually was happening is they were having a lack of success running outside because the zone, the inside zone is designed to go from the running back's perspective, outside, inside, backside. And what UGA would have problems with is we would have what was called an overhang defender, which was usually an outside linebacker or a nickelback who was just two or three yards off the line of scrimmage, two or three yards off of the outside hip of the tackle. And the problem is if that overhang defender is never in conflict and he can just always run everything back inside on those zone plays, you never, you're never going to have success. Right. And so, and I can show this on another play in a second, once you get do one Graham, but like what we did last night was we didn't just confuse Auburn's inside linebackers. Anyone standing up off the line of scrimmage as, as the overhang defender had no idea what to do when we were running. Right. And that was why I think we had success because we, we got to pick like the reason you run a zone running play is that you want to give your running back what's called a two-way go or a three-way go, right? So the running back gets the ball. He has three options that he's reading in an order and whichever one is the most open, he hits that hole, right? And the problem is defenses last year were able to dictate that we always took the hole they wanted them to, right? So defenses wanted to funnel everything inside, have a linebacker come downhill into the A-gap and then, you know, nothing happens, right? And we put their linebackers into such conflict and their overhang defenders into such conflict that we got the pick last night, right? And what we saw a lot of last night is like, what I, I suspect if we could see UJ's actual like playbook, that a lot of those runs went to the first option of where they were supposed to go. And the reason for that was that we were training their tendencies so well. All right, what else? Get, before I so, just talk about the run games too much, do you want to talk another pass play? 
Yeah, so well, and it's kind of just working off of what you were just talking about, but I'd really like to look at uh, play 49 from last night, which I think kind of emphasizes what what we're talking about of the conflict that Auburn's linebackers found themselves in. So you see, we're going to check to the sideline here, and basically this is just a little RPO, and we fake that you know play-action RPO. But if you run that back and run it in slow motion, I want to look at Auburn linebacker number 33, who is lined up uh, kind of on the, the left inside linebacker spot for them. So watch him when this fake to uh, Kenny McIntosh happens right here. Like we had run the ball on them so hard at that point that everyone is coming downhill and John Fitzpatrick slips right behind that guy. And, you know, he's got his back turned basically. And it's an easy completion for Bennett. I mean, there's four or five yards. He doesn't even know who his man is at that point, basically. Like he, he actually went to follow Karis Jackson because he was just confused. Um, you know, we watched LSU run the RPO game last year. It's like we watched the Philadelphia Eagles take the RPO game to the Super Bowl and beat the Patriots a few years ago. And in Georgia's kind of like claimed to run the RPO uh, in years past. You know, like Kirby Smart kind of defended that after losing the SEC title game last year and kind of was like, well, we run all the same stuff. But it doesn't really matter if you like run, you know, RPOs if – if you're not putting linebackers in conflict and if there's not a, a legitimate running threat. And so absolutely. Yeah. That last night was as encouraging as anything we've seen from Georgia football since like 2017, in my opinion. Uh, oh dude. Like, and the, the best part about that RPO play is like, you can see like Bennett is reading, I think that outside unblocked defender, the outside defensive end. And you can see Schaefer kicks out and picks him up when it turns into a run play. But I think the idea was that if like, if that outside defensive end takes an outside angle, like he's just handing it to cook for like 10 yards. Right. right? And, and so you have a, you have a zone beater and an, and a man right. beater built into the same play. I want to jump in here because two things we're using, uh, we're having fun. We're not, we're not here to make a bunch of money, but I got a shout out to college football data where there's a lot of this data is coming up and it's coming up fast. And also, see, also SEC StatCat, who we're, we're referencing so much of what these guys do. So I know that we've, we've preached that. But interesting, I, only, I bring that up too to say thanks, but also uh, SEC StatCat call that an all vert uh, play that play 49, which is obviously you've got all verts doesn't necessarily mean everybody go 40 yards down the field to catch a ball. It means that everybody's going straight up line, find an open spot. And, you know, Bennett found that play. Does that change your, you know, I don't, it's an all vert, you know, play action or all vert. I don't know, but we'll tag him and see what he yeah. says about that play because he's classifying that as an all vert, which is, is awesome. In this scenario, like I would disagree with him because at the very least it's a play action pass. But I mean, I, it, it is no, okay. I, I will say it is all verts. Like the yeah. routes that the route, right? The route tree is all verts, is all verts. A hundred percent. I, I think you could quibble. Is that an RPO or is that a hard play action? I tend to think, but one of the like, ki- like keys to the RPO slash just zone read game in general is like the unblocked man. And when you yeah. look at, if we look at that play again, like Stetson's not looking at the inside linebackers at the snap. He's looking at that right defensive end. And since the right defensive end crashes, like, I mean, look, he, at the snap, his head turns, he looks over to the right and he sees that he, and then we get a check, right? So he's, he's looking at the right defensive end at the snap or where I guess the left defensive end. And when he comes in, I mean, he just pulls the ball and then it's there. Now, I don't, you might say that they checked that into like a fake RPO look, 
and maybe he was always just going to throw it. But I mean, his eyes were on that guy, right? I mean, if it's a pass play, all verts, he's you know, he's, his eyes are downfield from the word go. But the way that the action of that play happened, it led me to believe that he was reading what the defensive line and linebackers were going to do, and that was dictating whether it was a handoff or a pass. And I and I also will point out in in SEC Statcats defense, like. I don't think he Mod- needs our defense. <laughs> right. He doesn't. He he's an amazing, he does an amazing job. But like modern like air raid offenses or you know, spread offenses, like modern spread offenses, like they by their nature, things that look like all verts are almost always have option routes on them. Right. So like a lot of the like two or three of those verts could have been sticks if coverage had dictated it, or they could have been, you know, crosses, or it could have been like a long vert into a skinny post or a long vert into like a Lucy or whatever. Like, I mean, I and I think. So I think he's I think he's right is a is a long way of saying. Yeah, and I mean especially in the mount uh, in the Monken offense with like the the air raid concepts of just find open space and sit down in it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there the defense is going to dictate kind of almost I would say like seventy to eighty percent of what's happening in the route tree at any given time. Um, you know, like last night the touchdown pass to Pickens on the sideline. You know that was just a clear like okay. Pickens is in man coverage. He's going to go to the end zone and we're going to throw the ball to him. But, you know, it's in a different universe. If that guy was giving him 12 yards of cushion, then maybe it's just a, you know, a quick, uh, quick little turnaround route. So, well, yeah. And actually, do you want to, do you want to pull that up? We don't have this on the list, but I I am interested now that you've said that to just look at this, look at that. uh, That is play 35, I believe. Mm -hmm. Uh, No, no, no. That is play 34. 34 sorry this is the play after yeah so i i wonder if this is i do wonder if this is a side adjustment like the safety's on the other side of the field is this just like pickens just runs a go because he sees he has it so this is this is the wrong play this is the play before or the play after i think no that's the play before all right here here. yeah so i mean he's just that guy's so tight up in man coverage that pickens you know i think i want to see and you can see like with the motion is it just that like he sees the safety move over and he's like, well, throwing that. Like, I, I don't know. Like, yeah. Well, in on the broadcast, like the play before Pickens had basically been, you know, same situation. He was in single, single man coverage and Stetson didn't look at him. And Herb Street, I think, made a comment of like, you know, if you're a, a first time starting quarterback and you've got George Pickens in single coverage, you should throw the ball. And then the very next and, play. But I, I, yeah, I will just, also. He just looks so relaxed back there and just, I mean, it's just, he's just executing the offense and he doesn't, it's just, I don't know. I'm not an expert at all. You guys are certainly way more knowledgeable, but he just looks so relaxed and, and that's preparation. That's gotta be, uh, you know, a set, you know, play designs that he's comfortable with and he knows where to go with the ball and the receivers know where to go on the routes. It's just, Oh man, I told somebody it's like we've we've come out of the dark ages on offense and it's just really really exciting well, to watch. It looks, it looks easy, right? It just looks when well, it doesn't always look easy, but when it's working, it should look easy. And that like we ran a lot of Jimbo Fisher bullshit in the past where it's like <laughs> we're going to we're going to sit at the line of scrimmage and it's a West Coast play and there's one place it's supposed to go and if, not, if anything goes wrong, it doesn't work. This would be the this would be the opportunity to say that Matt Landers would have stopped short on that ball. Well, he did. Uh, oh. I, I will say also, the Bennett and Pickens were helped by, and we saw this a lot last night. There was a lot of backside bubble screening and like backside uh, RB screen, and then we actually paid that off. And I think you're going to talk about this later with the convoy screen to, to Jackson. Yeah, I didn't do. I, yeah, give me a second on that one, but. 
Here, yeah. I, um, hit us on some running plays for. Yeah. Okay. So let's pull up. We talked about inside zone and we talked about um, split zone, but let's let's watch the counter to that. And can we pull up twenty nine? And and I think so. I think James Cook got. An, I think Cook and Munkin last year last week both got unfairly criticized for using him inside. This is a good example of why James Cook's a great inside runner. So it is in the second quarter. Uh, yeah, I think. Okay, yeah, yeah. I think this is the right one. So this is just a straight up. So we we have jet motion, and a lot of time we would run jet motion to uh, into to have an extra blocker in regular zone. And just at the snap, you can see Ben Cleveland, John Fitzpatrick pull, and we run like a power counter. Okay. The reason that I really love this play is I think that James Cook gets unfairly criticized as he's not an inside runner, but this is the kind of inside running that James Cook is designed for because this play relies on James Cook has the lateral quickness to just bounce right outside of that first block and get behind, you know, the inside hip of Fitzpatrick. And I mean, and then he's gone. I mean, and it's like, that's the kind of play where it's like, it doesn't matter what size you are. If you have acceleration and lateral quickness on that play, you should be running that play. And so I, I, I bring this up a, because that, that power counter is a great counter when you have the defense trained to think like, okay, they're going to run zone away from the tight end, right. Or they're going to run split zone towards the tight end on movement. Then what you do is you run power counter off of that. Right. And you, and you basically move the whole play side that would be on the zone play side to the opposite side. And what happens there is that you get numbers. And I think a, a, something we saw a lot uh, yesterday that made it really successful is that not only was the schematics there and we played better, but like you just saw a lot of UJ offensive linemen, eight or nine yards down the field, reach blocking. And like, mm-hmm. when you can, when you can do that, like that's a sign, like when you have an offensive lineman five yards down the field and he doesn't, and he's not looking for something to do. He's just like burying a linebacker or a safety. Like you're going to have success in the in the play. And and I will also say, in this, uh, I know that you have a lot of more personal notes than I do. But holy shit, Darnell Washington can block. Like yeah. God Almighty. Like there were uh, Justin Shaper and Darnell Washington actually to transition. Do you have anything you want to say about the counter thing with Cook before we move on? Yeah, I'm good. So I just want to put, show you one more run play, and this is like maybe my favorite play of the night. Um, this is an outside power RPS. So we look at 35. This play is just freaking fun. So we run basically like outside power. What was that? Uh, 30, 35, 35. Yeah. So we're going to run outside power here and we're going to pull the play side guard and tackle. Oh no, this is, uh, I it's, thought it was 30, 35, but I, I might've told you the wrong one. Hold on. Uh, give me a second. It was a fun one to miss though. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Hold on. I had, I had this written down as 35, but I must've given the wrong thing. Give me, I'm going to, let me search this up real quick. Uh, we're going to run outside power. Just watch this all night. <laughs> dude, the touch on that ball was incredible for him. I mean, like it, that it was really, it really was dude. A perfectly like just perfect angle on that ball. And I okay, mean, so no, fully, go ahead, go ahead. no, no. I mean, I was just, salivating over this pass to Pickens, like that was uh, one of the balls that like i don't want to fall down the wormhole of like you know comparing bennett to jake from because it's too small of a sample size to do that yet but there was just a certain amount of touch on that pass that we didn't really see much from from especially last year the, what's the play you're looking for nathan um it is it's under it's uh Oh, see, I have. I was clicking on the wrong damn thing. Give me a second. 
I'm gonna find it. It is a it is it was um James Cook's last run of the night before he got hurt. Oh. I'm gonna do this. Oh, look at this. Oh, let's bring up the stats. Let's have some fun. Runner. Here. Select up uh, Cook. It, that it would be 30. I've got it as 35 too. James Cook, yeah. 16. All right. 16 yards. <laughs> I was like, I know I'm looking at the right thing, man. This play is amazing. And I, and I don't, I hate to slow down the show, but this, this play is a really good example of like you train people and you train people, and you train people that we're going to do this, this, and this, and then you so give them something different. Ten. Yeah. It's a first and 10 in the second quarter. And it's a 17 yard run or 16 yard run for first down. And this is a, this, like we've been talking about all these zone concepts and like, you know, moving people around, moving people's eyes. But sometimes if you just do something really different, and this is a good example of this. So this is a mirror. So this is, this isn't it. This is a great play. Or is it an, an interesting play that they actually, they, they defend successfully, but this is a just straight up zone play um, that they, they clog it up. And that, this is what was happening a lot last year. Let's go to 36. Nope. I, are we in the right? Okay, this might be it. Yes. Okay, this is it. All right. So here's the great thing. So you're running. You have all these tendencies to run. You know, between nope. A and B. Nope. That's not it. Son <laughs> of a bitch. This play is really interesting and worth it. I'm sorry to belabor it, but like. All right. Let me uh, here. Play while you try to figure this. You out. get. You uh, give me a play. You you give him a play, and I'll see if I can't figure it. That out. it. No. That's it. No. No, it's not. Uh, I want to look at number 63, please. All right. So if you get on the Discord, you want to just call up some plays. This is how you do it, guys. I'm just here. I'm just like a DJ on plays. All right. What, <laughs> you, <laughs> what do you want to watch? Uh, 63. When shit works, this is the most fun. <laughs> I absolutely love this. It's so fun much. when it's not working. <laughs> funny. It's funny. Yeah. So if you, we can start that back over. Uh, we got D Rob coming in motion, kind of freezes the linebackers, and then it's not even really a full play action. I mean, it kind of is, but um, basically, it's just like Big Cat Bryant makes a choice. He decides to run at Stetson, and Stetson flips it out to McIntosh. I'm pretty sure if Big Cat Bryant turns and goes in man coverage with McIntosh in that scenario, that Bennett probably just rolls out to the right side and either keeps it or hit somebody on a crossing route, but I don't know. This is a play that you see a lot in short yarded situations. <clears throat> um, and I, I think we did it at times with Swift last year, but just kind of pulling that out when we did, I thought was, was yeah, interesting. Stack cat, stack that, cat called it a play action, a play action boot flood, uh, play on a flood uh, concept. And the sub concept is a play action. So yeah, that's, we love the play action. Sorry. I interrupted you. No, you're good. I mean, I, more than anything, it's like I think the, the end of that game turned into practice for Georgia's offense, and, like, I guarantee you that we will see that same play in, like, a important short yardage situation down the road against the team. All right, can I can I just jump in as a much more novice fan of the uh, – where is that play? All right, so – all right, so just take us if we're if we're in the stands or whatever, and and we're looking for this play because we're like, all right, Graham said we're going to do this. All right, so Darnell, just tell us what to look for and then formation line, you know. Well, um, yeah, like we we could definitely do it out of different formations, but I mean, I think the biggest thing is you're going to see all of our receivers. You know, like Pickens is going to head left; he's the only receiver on the right side of the formation, and so he probably actually causes a little bit of traffic for 33, their linebacker, Britt. Um, 
But so, so when D Rob motions out, obviously you're looking for empty spaces in the field, and that's exactly what that, right. that motion yeah. flooding on the left side of the ball just opened it up for uh, you know the the running back out of the backfield, right? Yeah. More than anything, though, it's like we're trying to get their defense to lean, right? So it's like when D Rob comes in motion, when Pickens comes off the snap and heads in the same direction, like those are guys that you know their defense is going to be keyed on, especially Pickens. And so it's just kind of getting everyone to to move and lean the other way, and then we just catch Macintosh on a little slip. Um, yeah. And I so, can you run? Can you run that one more time? Actually. Yeah. Like I think the key thing I would look for is this is not this is not an RPO, but it is an RPO concept because like if you look at the snap and just roll run it back to the snap. If if a if UJ's offensive line doesn't block a guy, there's a reason, right? Like that big cat Bryant is untouched by design right and so i think anytime you see something like that like we are trying to put people in conflict right and that's what the rpo does that's what these read these little flip reads do like so, if so he's not trying to chip him he's actually just trying to get no. out of the way right yeah he's right. getting out of the way and actually if you roll it back roll it back one second here watch darnell washington at the snap darnell gets caught up because schaefer actually gets blown back into the backfield right he hits schaefer I actually think that what this play is designed to do is designed to be like sort of a little mini slip screen to Macintosh. Because if you see like Darnell is behind the play a little bit, if Darnell yeah. hit, if Darnell doesn't hit Schaefer, he's going to clean uh Brit up and that might be a touchdown. You see what I'm saying? Like Brit actually forces Macintosh outside, right? But Darnell hits Schaefer because he gets blown back into the field. So I actually think like this is one of those plays that's like, it's you're basically just putting one guy in conflict and then making one read. Right, like big cat Bryant, big cat Bryant crashes. Darnell is supposed to pick up Britt, and then that's probably a touchdown. And if well, he doesn't crash, then you're doing something else. Yeah, sorry about sorry to interrupt. No, you. go ahead, go ahead, go ahead. No, I think the other action off that though could be, um, you know, it may have been a little slip where Darnell comes out of the backfield too, and right, whichever line, but like if the linebacker goes with McIntosh, the pass goes to Washington. If the linebacker goes with Washington, then we hit McIntosh and just kind of put him right. in the two. Um, that's what we Yeah. And I don't know the word for this, but there is this thing that you'll see happen. This happens a lot in the NFL where you just have like a play where you're, you're basically a naked bootleg with layers or a flood on top of it. Right. And that's what the flood concept is. You flood one side of the field with people at multiple layers. And then you just have your, your quarterback is just naked bootlegging and just choosing who's open. Um, I think Stetson Bennett, actually that really fits his strengths, right? Get outside the pocket, make one read and then throw it. Like that's what he wants to do. So I, I would say that's also just like good game planning for your personnel as well. Yeah. And I mean, um, in this scenario, it's like he might even keep that ball and run for seven or yeah. eight yards. Yeah, and, and again, those are free yards, right? Like, yeah. very low chance of a negative play there unless it just gets blown up at the stop. All right, I figured out the play I want to talk about. It is actually 36. It is the play after the Pickens touchdown. Okay. All right, so we talk, we talked about tendencies, right? So you're reading zone, you're reading split zone, you're reading counter. And then you hit them with something like this. This is a straight-up swinging play side. Um, this is just straight-up swinging play side uh, from both. Damn it. <laughs> <laughs> Son of a bitch. Hold on. Is it the next play? This is I think nope. this is labeled though because like Cook didn't go out of the game. Yeah, I, I think we're actually like later in the game. I, it, what what play is the Pickens touchdown? It is the it is the next offensive snap on our thing. The All right, so clearly 35. So I mean you're you're right. 
All right. Well, we're just going to have to move on. Yeah. I'm Dude, sorry. Son All of a bitch. bitch. All right. Let's do, let's do like a, like a four or five minute drill here, and then we'll jump on the Periscope. All right, sure. Um, I think we're losing a little steam, and I think... No, 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 no. I, got, I got one that you absolutely have, because I've seen you play it. 40. 40. That was my wife saying she's going to the grocery store. Thank you. <laughs> All right. All right. Uh, 40. Watch this. Same. So this is a great play. This is a second heavy set. We have two big guys in the jumbo package, and it's, and we run uh, 88 in a similar way as though this is going to be a uh, split zone, but it's not. It's a counter, and it just works, right? You have one or two differences where in, in your block scheme, right, where you're you're basically just running a lead counter instead of a instead of a split zone. And I know it doesn't look different, but the thing I got to get across to you is from a linebacker. It, it is it looks the same but it is very different in terms of linebacker assignment and what you'll see at the snap of this play is that again both linebackers don't know what to do and when you can do that at the goal line you're gonna score like and, and you can see there's some hesitation like we're not all coming back downhill owen popo and like owen popo is not even in the play right They're, the two linebackers are totally washed out and when that happens and you can just get a hat on a hat it's an easy touchdown right and it's all about tendency training and i think I, you know, I, I would, I'd be interested to hear what you guys, y'all's big picture takeaway on like where the season is right now, maybe as the last thing that we do before we get out of here. Cause I sort of, I sort of feel like, like, I don't know that anyone other than Clemson can beat Alabama this year because I just, they're, I think their talent is just ridiculous. And I think that they'll lean on you. And I think it would be a close game. It'll probably be a close game when we play them, but I don't, I don't really super buy the Florida stuff right now. Like, I don't know what happens when Florida plays a team that can stop them, you know, two or three times in a game. Right. No, and, and I, no, I, where I'm at personally, um, I think that, you know, the performance we saw last night from Georgia was kind of like a, an enunciation of sorts of, you know, we have moved our offense into the modern era, which is great, but it's really just like the scratching of the surface that's happening right now. And as great as that game was, like there was a lot of stuff that could be cleaned up. There was a lot of receivers that, that took the wrong read on coverage. Um, There's a lot that can happen that can take Georgia from like, you know, a really good offense to a exceptional kind of, you know, maybe as good of an offense as we've seen in Athens type of level. If that happens, then like, I won't count them out against anybody. I think the variable, like the only thing that worries me like long-term from last night is that Auburn's receivers did get open over the top a few times and absolutely didn't hit those, but Mac Jones more than likely will. And so, you know, if, if Georgia could put up 30 points on Alabama you know, who, who's to say they don't win that game? Like maybe it happens, but mm-hmm. I think the defense like has to, and I think a lot of that was LeCount being out in the second half. Like that definitely affected the communication on the back end, but I'm not ready to say like Georgia's a world beater yet that can run the table of their schedule. I do think though, that that defense is as good as anyone's in the country. And if Georgia continues performing like they are, on offense and then just as, as well as like on both lines of scrimmages, the only team that I'm confident can beat us is going to be Alabama. Like, I don't think that just watching Florida, like, yes, they, they're very good on offense, but 
the last two games they've played, there's been a lot of missed tackles. There's been a lot of bad assignments. Um, I would like to see what happens when we actually, you know, like when they actually play somebody that can man up on defense and cover them man to man, which I think we can. Well, I will say my only last before we get out of here and I will give a discord plug before Justin shouts at me. My last thing to say is if you're talking like stock or if you're like a betting person, I I think that the general reaction to this game from the uh, from the sort of like college football world writ large was, damn, like Georgia's got a good defense, but they're just doing Georgia stuff. And mm-hmm. I think that that's a mistake to look at yeah. those 27 points and say that those were gotten to the way we got to 27 points in 2019. They're not. If you're if you're betting or you're like buying stock, I think buying stock in Georgia's offense is smart. I, I think a couple of plays go a different way. A couple of better executions from this offense, which is going to get cleaned up. And this is a 35 to six game. Like easy thirty five to six, and and you know I, I I didn't get a chance to jump in on that one play, but it, you're right though because um you know we we had a big play um, getting across the forty, which is the metrics tell you that's a scoring opportunity, and then we had a good play, and then we had a hold, and that hold set us up at first and twenty. We never got out of that hold on that drive, and that's the mistakes you can't make is when you're moving the ball, you get in the scoring opportunity inside the, the opponent's forty, and you have a penalty. You know, I'm sure that Kirby's preaching that sort of stuff because you're right. There should have been more points on the board, and you know that drives that that points per points per opportunity metric down. I mean, that's where that's where the Oklahomans and Ohio States and Alabamas and the teams that win in the playoff. That's what they don't do. They capitalize on points inside the forty, and and you know we had a we had a hold and set us back. So those we there's a lot to clean up. It's a young offense, but I'm you know it's it, it's a it's a much more efficient. It's a much prettier, and it's more. And maybe it's simpler even. I don't know, but it's a hell of a lot of fun to watch and beat Auburn anytime. All right. So we're going to take this over to the Discord because I finally found the play that I want to talk about. And damn it, someone is going to listen to me talk about it. By God. So if you liked what you heard here today, uh, we would encourage you to subscribe to the Main Chapel Bell Curve feed. That is our big podcast. You'll hear all of our voices on there, plus Justin, my co-host. If you really liked what you saw here today, you can follow us on Twitter. Uh, I am at Nathan J. Lawrence. My co-host Justin is at the Justin Bray. Graham is at dogs out West and Josh is at dog underscore stats on Twitter. Uh, If you really, really, really liked what you heard here today and you want to join a great community and support a great cause, you can hit us up on Patreon, patreon.com forward slash chapel bell curve. The main benefit you're going to get from from that right now is uh, access to our discord. Our discord is a fun growing community. We have watch parties together. We watch games. Um, You will see, Lots of tomfoolery and chicanery. We have we talk about a lot of subjects, not just football. Um, this is a time when a lot of people have to stay at home or don't get as much social contact as they normally would. We would encourage you to get there. It's at, as little as $1 a month can get you access to all of that, plus a bunch of stats from Josh, plus a bunch of video plays. Um, if you want to support us, hit us up there. Other than that, we will catch you next week and probably actually later this week, we'll do some more film breakdown. And until then, go dogs. Go dogs. Come on, Gary. Give me a go dogs. Go dogs. All right.